0: what's up everybody welcome in to episode number 48 of the fantasy scouts podcast i am your host chad workman joined by my fellow scouts sam ehrman and matt nine gotta say i woke up today feeling danger russ the possibilities on this podcast are mr unlimited am i right am i right Hopefully one of you laughed. I, Matt laughed, he's just on mute. so That's terrible. Uh, obviously, we're gonna get to the big news. Russell Wilson headed to Denver, Aaron Rodgers back to Green Bay, Wentz to Washington. We're gonna cover all the latest news in the NFL surrounding the quarterbacks, as well as some franchise tags and other things. And of course, we will get to the Combine, which we have not discussed yet. So I'm excited to get to that. There's just been so much going on in the NFL with that. Let's get into it, guys. All right, fellas. Um, as you know, it's a big news cycle. With that being said, everybody listening, make sure to go sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com/fantasy scouts. We are on top of the news cycle, um, often, you know, posting news. Before it's made public. So um, be sure to go sign up to our Patreon. But I can't wait to get into it, guys. Uh, Russell Wilson coming to Denver. Ironically, I'm a Broncos fan and Matt is a Seahawks fan. That being said, I think we can both be unbiased and give you our expert fantasy analysis as we kind of delve into the deal here. Um, I mean... I have a lot to say, but I kind of just want to give everybody a quick chance to, to give their thoughts. I mean, for me, it's just, th- this sounds like corny because it's at the end of the day, it's a sport and, uh, you know, a- another guy was traded to the Denver Broncos. Like it, do- it doesn't make a huge difference in the world with so many things going on in the world today, but I just, my initial reaction was like a weight lifted because Broncos fans like we go we've been through it every year since Peyton left and in between LA and you know it's just every year it's like okay who are we going to bring in to play quarterback who's out there it's just the same stuff and it gets exhausting and every day you turn on i mean the city is Broncos through and through the biggest season of the year is Broncos season the second biggest is Broncos off season you listen to any sports talk they're talking about you know What's the latest on Aaron Rodgers? Like what's the quarterback situation? So it just felt like a huge weight, um, whether, you know, this works out, whether you think they gave up too much, et cetera. I just want to lay that out there as a perspective from somebody living in Denver and being a Broncos fan. Um, But I do want to get your guys' thoughts. I have a lot. Um, I know you guys do too. Let's start with Matt, since you're a Seahawks fan. What was your, I want to know your reaction as a Seahawks fan. Like, was it like, okay, like good trade or like, man, I'm bummed. I can't believe we traded him. And then also just like from a fantasy standpoint and, and, you know, sure. all that type of stuff. Uh,
1: initially, when I first looked at my phone, cause I have, I get Twitter notifications for a handful of accounts. You know, I saw the breaking news, Russell Wilson. I, my first immediate thought was, wow. Just kind of like instant shock. And then after 10, 15 minutes, it just it kind of set in and I was like, I mean, if I'm going to be real with myself, I expected this either this year or next summer. So I felt like the move was coming. I guess I was surprised that it happened when it did. I thought maybe if it, if it was going to, we would have heard some chatter about it for a week or so. But the fact, I kind of felt like it came out of the blue, to be honest.
0: And you know what? Sorry to interrupt you, but it, it was done. Um, it was actually done pretty much done on Friday. They were waiting till Rogers announced to announce it. Um, So that's interesting too, because the local media in Denver met with George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett over the combine and they knew the deal was done and nobody like nobody knew, which is crazy in today's NFL and and And, social media world.
1: Russ was already in Denver yesterday. He went out to dinner with, with the brass. So yeah, I I believe that, but I just yeah, it just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere I guess from that perspective, obviously on their end that they, they knew what was going on. So, as a Seahawks fan, you know, thank you Russell Wilson, thank you Bobby Wagner. You easily brought us the best decade of football this franchise has ever seen. You brought us a Super Bowl, could have been two Super Bowls. Uh but you you did more f- for us us as being a fan than than any other era of Seahawks football has so for that I am I am eternally grateful I I got to witness the franchise's first Super Bowl victory and and that was a moment that even to this day I I know exactly where I was and what I was doing I'll never forget uh the the NFC championship game against Green Bay in Seattle when we were down I think it was 18 with like four and a half minutes to go easily the greatest game I've ever seen I've I've hit Emotions from an extreme high to an extreme low in the span of like, you know, 10 minutes in that game. So best game I've ever seen. So yeah, I guess it's just kind of what's next. You know, I had a feeling it was coming. It was always in the back of my mind, but I always thought that Jody Allen, the owner of the Seahawks would probably, you know, lean more towards keeping Russ rather than Pete Carroll. And that wasn't the case she has decided to roll with Pete Carroll and John Schneider in i think it's a retool or a reshaping of sorts i don't i don't buy that it's a rebuild uh, adam schefter has said multiple times today on, on, across television and other platforms that he from his understanding this is not a rebuild jake heaps one of the seahawks insiders says that he doesn't believe it's a rebuild either i think it's a retool i just think seattle's just trying to to readjust a couple things you know bobby wagner was on the hook for 20 million we get that that back with his release and i'm not sure that seattle's looking to be like super bowl competitive but i think in their mind hey we have a two-year window here or a year window let's just kind of rebuild and reload and then maybe 2023 after that draft you know we we make another legitimate run at it i think there is a chance that seattle does flip the picks for watson uh it's that's that's obviously a big if lots of lots of information to come from him on friday but if that's not the case, I just have a really hard time envisioning a 71 year old Pete Carroll just starting over from scratch. You know, I don't, they, they've already announced that Drew Locke isn't the long term answer. So if you traded for someone like Deshaun Watson, having Locke start, you know, during the duration of Watson's uh, probable suspension makes a lot of sense. Uh, drafting a rookie, I think, is highly unlikely. I think knowing Seattle's past, uh, as long as John Schneider has been there, they're absolutely 100% going to trade back from that ninth overall pick and collect even more picks. And I think it could be drew Locke and maybe another veteran uh, of some kind to, to compete. And I know Sam Preshow had suggested that you just kind of see what you got here for 2022. And then if you're bad, you got ammo, you got two picks next year now in 2023 to move up and potentially get one of the best quarterbacks in the draft and Bryce Young, CJ Stroud.
0: So that's also on the table, but yeah, I don't know. I just let me. I I just want to jump in for a minute and and keep going from the Seahawks side because I have a lot from the Broncos side, but I want to get all this stuff out first. I somebody posted it reminded them of um, John Elway had a feud with Dan Reeves. John Elway was 32 years old in the early 90s, and they got rid of Reeves and kept Elway. It feels like the Seahawks going in a you know a different path. I don't know if Russ is declining faster than OA, or, you know, they're not necessarily the same guy. I just found that interesting. But the thing for the Seahawks is like, they just traded two firsts for Jamal Adams. And it's, I think it's just gotta be frustrating to see something like that. And then you turn around and you're in this position where you have to trade your franchise quarterback for, I mean, they got two firsts and a lot of other stuff, but I, I think that's tough, man. Like you'd love to have those two firsts for Jamal Adams back and just have a absolutely stocked cupboard of picks hindsight is always 2020
1: obviously in that in that moment in time they were like we can go get who we think is the second coming of of cam chancellor a more athletic cam chancellor box safety and we have russ let's let's go compete and and try and win another super bowl obviously that didn't work out so it's easy to look back and say oh that was a terrible trade i think at the time it was fine but yeah looking back now i I agree as a Seahawks fan. I probably wouldn't have made that had I known that this was going to be the outcome. But I mean, it is what it is at this point. First for us, two seconds, no fan fantasy value changes at all. He went from Drew Locke to Drew Locke. And Sam had mentioned this in a in our Twitter chat that we were having the other day. As soon as this went down, um Seattle probably views no fan. As that third first round pick or third second round pick. He's going to get a contract extension. There's absolutely no reason to trade for a guy like that in a contract year and then not extend him. That doesn't make any sense at all. And also, if you want to look at Shelby Harris, I I thought he was a little bit younger. I didn't appreciate that Shelby Harris was 30. Trading for a guy like that doesn't indicate a rebuild. That's not a rebuilding type move. So I think, see, I, there, I think there's another move at play here that we haven't seen yet. Again, I don't know if it's a Watson or another veteran quarterback, but there is something else that's going to happen in regards that Seattle will will retool and kind of reshape. So as a Seahawks fan, I'm stoked to have one of my favorite tight ends in the league on my squad. I'll definitely be getting a jersey as soon as I
0: can. Probably won't be buying a Drew Lock jersey though. Sam, uh what is what is your initial reaction? And then I just I'm gonna just word vomit so many things, but want to get your initial yeah. reaction first. <laughs>
2: Well, I think if you're a Broncos fan, I mean, if you look at it as it, looking back at history, anytime the Broncos have had a sloppy second quarterback, they've won a Super Bowl with them. So if you look at Manning, Elway, and I mean, hopefully now Russ, I mean, I don't know why Denver's never the destination people actually want to go to, but it seems like when they just need to start over, they'll go to Denver, and hopefully he wins there. Um I don't know overall, like, I guess, what I think about the trade. Um, but, um, I mean, like, I guess I do, but there's a lot with it. Um and I think Seattle's in an interesting spot. I think Seattle, Matt just mentioned, like, a trick up their sleeve. It's, I mean, Seattle could easily go to Mitch Trubisky now. But, like, look, I mean, look, he's a pretty good spot. You want to compete? I mean, Mitch Trubisky would be – I mean, Mitch Trubisky drew luck. I think that would be a very – exciting um, quarterback battle and then you know I mean you just look around and kind of see what Seattle's doing and it's like I think initially people freaked out about Noah Fant um, and we'll probably talk about him here in a hot second but um, the reality is like they went out and got him and he could play like he's not some scrub like Noah Fant is a very good football player so it's like I mentioned and Matt had alluded to it it's very possible that they view him as you know that other high end pick that they play on keeping and him and Drew Locke have a good connection. So if it is Locke, you know, you know Noah Fant knows how to operate in the middle of the field and get open and catch balls. And you know Drew Locke knows where to put it with him. So I mean with a lot of pieces in play, I don't know. Um and I'm guess I'm not really worried about both sides. I think Matt hit it best where I guess the only way Denver wins this trade is if they win that Super Bowl. And we know Russ is good enough to do it. Um but obviously we'll see on the field. I think he put himself in a really tough spot. Um, that's not the easiest division. Obviously you got to play Patty Mahomes twice, Justin Herbert and say what you will about him, but Derek Carr, um, even if he splits those, you know, those, those games, I mean, that's still you're struggling to fight above 500. Um, you better be winning those out of division games and on the road. And um Russ, his history, obviously, it was with Seattle, but he's never been like great on the road. He was always, yeah, you get us home at 12, man. We're going to get the 12th man involved. And don't get me wrong, you know, a mile high can get loud, but if there's somewhere where Russ struggles, it's on the road. And if he's going to win the Super Bowl in that division, he's going to have to do it on the road. So, uphill battle. Um, I'm, I'm excited, obviously, a big change, but I don't think it's all peaches and green because I think there's a lot of work. Um, ahead for Russ and the Broncos. and um I don't believe he can't do it, but I think it would be a very, very, very impressive
1: climb. So one last thing, Chad, before I let before I let you get to your vomit of words, Uh Fant is only twenty four, so this is not like he's an old tight end. You know, he's still a young elite developing tight end in the league, so extremely high upside, Probably two more contracts, honestly left left with him in his career, about to get one, I would assume, this summer. Uh, and then secondly, I unless Seattle can turn these picks into Deshaun Watson, who is cheaper than Russell Wilson, seven years younger and better, then the Seahawks, if they cannot do that, then the Seahawks and Broncos most likely probably both lose this trade because the Broncos made this trade with the anticipation to win the Super Bowl. Like Chad, you're you're a Broncos fan. I don't think if Russell takes you to two AFC titles and loses both of those, you're not that you're not content. You're not that trade's not going to work out. And then on the Seahawks side, that you have to hit on those picks. You have to. So and 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 after since since the Russell Wilson Bobby Wagner draft class, Seattle hadn't been very good at drafting at all. So I just feel like. Obviously, both teams cannot end up winning. If Seattle hits the picks, if they don't go trade for somebody else and Russell brings Denver a Super Bowl, then everyone wins. But I think the percentage, like the likelihood that either or both of those things happen is is significantly low.
0: Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. That's a good, a good perspective, I think. And you're right. I mean, it, the expectation is now Super Bowl. I think it gives the Broncos a – like it puts them in the conversation. It's not like – I feel like when we got Manning and he showed that he was healthy, it was like, okay, like we're one of the favorites. Like we can really do this thing. Now it's, you know, I think we're in the conversation, but there's a lot of good teams and the AFC is stacked with quarterbacks. So to be realistic, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, this is, you know, we're the favorites and all that because I don't necessarily think that's the case. Now, what I will say is I do like the rest of our roster, better than some of the others um i think you know you mentioned uh, Fant getting Fant is a home run Fant's a great player i'm not so sure denver was gonna pay him so you know it, it's a loss for i them. don't think they were
1: either for what it's worth yeah.
0: yeah and so it's it's still a loss for them right they spent a first round pick on him the kid is uber talented uh but they have alberto coming up there's some tight ty- there's some free agents they can mix and match with him um They can do some things, and I think the biggest thing for me, you mentioned Shelby Harris, 30 years old. I absolutely love that guy. I'm sad that he's gone. He's a defensive tackle and not, like, a game-wrecker elite, like, Aaron Donald type. Um, Drew Locke is – we know what he is. And then some picks, but I think the biggest thing from, a like, just the fandom perspective of a Broncos fan is, like, we didn't have to give up a Patrick Sertan, uh, Jerry Judy, Bradley Chubb. Like, we didn't give up – a. For young franchise cornerstone at a premium position um you know i know that the seahawks in their talks with washington was asking for chase young and maybe it's a little more expensive being in the nfc and and also the fact that russ had you know a no trade clause and stuff but you i don't feel like we had to give that up and you look at the first and second this year that's 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 very good pick value but I don't know, there's not really, you know, a quarterback we feel great about in this class. The The class is good in other areas. And then, you know, w- the next two first and seconds, whenever they convey, I, I don't even know, honestly, if it's next year or the year after. But ideally, you know, hypothetically, they should be later on in the draft. So I guess my thought as a Broncos fan is like, yeah, take a shot on a guy like Russ when you gave up a lot. But is it quantity over Quality And I read Bill Barnwell wrote a, an excellent article recapping and he he definitely made the argument that it's a little more quantity over quality. I'm just happy that we didn't have to give up a Pat or or something like that. I was not so surprised that we acquired him. Um, I had made jokes about that happening in the past, but I think the timing surprised me. I did not think it would happen. If it did this offseason, it wouldn't be till the draft or it would just be next off season. Um, So the timing surprised me, but I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about Russ kind of falling a little bit. And I mean, his last two years, 2019 and 2020 were two of his best years. Um, Last year he had the, the finger injury in which he came back in like half the time that was projected. So, you know, if we're cutting him some slack last year, the two years before that he was, I mean, he was elite, but, even beyond that, I, I also heard some stuff from Jay Keeps, Matt, who you mentioned. He's, he works for Russ's QB Academy. So he's, you know, the Seattle insider, but he also works with Russ directly. Um, one thing that he noted that stood out to me is that the whole narrative of letting Russ cook isn't just letting Russ throw the ball a bunch. It was also about being more creative on offense, giving him a little more control at the line of scrimmage, so I'm really intrigued to see how he and Nathaniel Hackett mesh because Hackett is very big on building around your player's strengths, you know, helping them succeed with what they want to do. And I think he's going to give Russ a lot of freedom. And he's, you know, a pretty creative offensive mind. So I think beyond like letting Russ cook, just in terms of like 35, 40 pass attempts a game, I think it's more so, according to what Jay Keep said, it's more so like he wants that creativity on offense beyond just the predictable, you know, and and basic play play calls. So I think that'll be really interesting. Um, A lot of people are trying to figure out, you know, how he'll fit in the the Denver offense with Hackett. I'll be honest, I don't think we know what Hackett's going to do. I posted a thread after he was hired, and I think it's still relevant if you want to go back and look at it. But he's talked a lot more about the West Coast offense and LaFleur's influence on him and his time in Green Bay than I thought. So I think he's going to, it's going to be an interesting combination of the West coast offense with some of his, he's run a lot of RPOs over the years. That's one thing that's been consistent. I think it'll be an interesting mesh of the West coast offense and kind of his former Jacksonville uh, type of offense. So I think that's something to kind of keep an eye on. We, We just don't really know what exactly he's going to run, but um Basically, the, the story from my understanding is Peyton started calling around last October around the trade deadline. Um, was mostly rebuffed, but he was more so laying the groundwork for the offseason on both Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Um, the Broncos started to get wind around the senior bowl that Rogers to Green Bay was was pretty much gonna happen. And at that point they started laying, you know, additional groundwork with Seattle and they kept it quiet, from my understanding you know they had this deal agreed to and then it was it was done on Friday and they they kept it quiet over the weekend at the the combine and basically waited for Rodgers to announce his decision and then and then they came out with it immediately after which I thought was interesting kind of maybe a troll job on Rodgers since she's been so media hungry through this whole thing but i think the most important thing is that i'm just excited for this group of pass catchers now excluding Fant, but i'm just excited to see what they can do with an accurate quarterback a smart quarterback not to diminish the other guys who are here but russ is different than them and i'm excited to see what judy sutton hamler patrick and i think hamler people forget about hamler he's the close not that i'm trying to compare them but i think he's the closest to Lockett. he's got a lot of deep speed he can get open downfield and Russ. Great deep ball. So anyways, I mean, I'm ecstatic as a Broncos fan. He's, he's a lot younger than Rogers. He's not quite the quarterback that Rogers is. I don't think, but he's a bit younger too. So, um, I think as a Broncos fan, I've seen Elway Manning, now Russ, three potential hall of famers, Russ, maybe not there yet, but three potential hall of fame quarterbacks in the span of like 30 years. And they didn't draft a single one of them. So, um, you know, I found that interesting, but let me ask you guys this. Who do you prefer now between Sutton or Judy? I think Eileen Judy, but um, I believe Sam mentioned somewhere. I don't remember where that he prefers Sutton. Um, who do you prefer, Matt? It's Sutton as well. Okay, why?
1: I, you, you and me talked about this a couple weeks ago. Judy has done nothing in two years to impress me. He still can't catch the ball. I mean, it's not like he wasn't getting open or he wasn't getting the targets with Locke or Bridgewater. He was. And he just there was just a lot of failed attempts. And it's one of those things like, you know, you got two guys on the outside of him, Patrick and, and Sutton, both got paid big time. So they're obviously I think Sutton's probably gonna play exclusively outside. And I think we'll see some sort of rotation between uh patrick and judy rotating between slot and the and the other outside right receiver uh hamler will come on in, in special situations along with javante and then a.o is not you know albert o is not going to leave the field at all i think the next tight end is sean bayer if i have that correctly or Bayer. so yeah i prefer sutton uh just because i'm for so i'm just biased towards bigger guys for some reason i like the play style Uh, contested catch, big body guys. It's not really a knock on Judy, but again, just for fantasy purposes, Judy hasn't done anything in two years that makes me feel like I need to be in on him, if that makes sense. But from a fantasy perspective, from the entire trade, I feel like everyone's value should probably remain the same. I think really only one that
0: probably gets an uptick in value and projection would be Albert O. I think that... Sorry, Sam. Uh, I think the reason why I prefer Judy is I do think he's the one who gets the bump. I don't see as much of a bump for Sutton. Um, Patrick, I think Judy, you're right. He gets open. He does have a bit of a problem with drops. Hopefully those clear up. But he is somebody who has suffered from inaccurate passes and unrealized air yards. And I know a lot of that stuff is, you know, they call them prairie yards, right? Some of them, but... I think he's somebody who does get open a lot downfield and just I mean, he was number one last year in target separation. Number one. What wasn't think, Sutton like first in the league in air yards through like week seven or something like that last year? Like
1: Bridgewater just couldn't hit him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think,
1: think that's true.
2: I think the big thing is um Judy can absolutely get open, but um he's not the only guy on the team that can get open and I don't really worry about the drops. Like, I mean, I'm not going to hold the drops against him the same way I don't hold drops against Deontay Johnson. Um, Similar players. It's just, I think, unfortunately for um Judy, there's just as good of, or not, if not better options, like Tim Patrick, I'm not trying to say he's a dude or a star, but like, he's pretty good. And then um obviously court and Sutton, the reason I prefer him is kind of the same reason Matt, but, It's the same reason that I prefer DK Metcalf in Seattle. I'm not – when I I went out yesterday and said, like, in fantasy terms, you know, like Russell Wilson – or, I mean, um, Cortland Sutton was the DK Metcalf and Judy was the Lockett. And what I meant by that was I expect Sutton to be the more big play down the field chunk guy. And, I mean, he's great at contested – Catches at great point of a catch and he's elite in the red zone i mean like those are the, what you want in fantasy it's like somebody who can go up and to get you six point you know at least six points you know in a flash i mean like that's exactly what you want judy you know he doesn't strike me as somebody who's got a high touchdown stick. i don't think he'll ever sniff like double digit touchdowns so you know yeah if he catches 80 balls and cracks thousand yards yeah but he only probably hits the head zone like maybe five times while sutton you know probably less receptions, but just as many yards and he's going to have more touchdowns. It's just, my thing is I want the guy who can go up and win the, you know, at the point of attack and knows how to use his body, use his frame and doesn't have drop issues. I just, I think personally Sutton's the more well-rounded player. And that's also why I want him. I just, I don't know. And then um, I could even see Hamler coming in and you mentioned Matt earlier, taking away some of that, you know, Tyler Lockett type, you know, rainbow balls. So, or was that Matt or, or Chad? Okay. Yeah, that was me. I, I, I've listened to it a lot. So, I mean, you know, yeah, no, yeah. reiterate some of it. But I think overall, like I just, you know, like Matt says, like, I think Sutton's going to be the most consistent. And I think the reality is between the rest of those three, it might be a fantasy nightmare. It might not be what
0: you think. Could be. That could be true. I That's just want to say Sutton was number one in target quality rating last year. I know you can take some of these advanced stats with a grain of salt. He, he was number one in the NFL. Judy was 30. I'm just throwing it out there. I think the other thing is with Hackett, he does a really good job of like, he'll run like jet sweeps. He's not afraid to utilize guys in those different ways to get the ball in their hands. And I think they'll do a lot of that stuff with Judy. Um, I just feel like we're living in La La land. If
2: you expect Javante Williams, Cortland Sutton, um, Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler and Albert O to all be relevant. Oh, and I mean Tim Patrick. Can't forget Tim Patrick because you know he got bat the bag. So it's like, I think you're living in La Land. Somebody's going to be the dud, and you just hope you don't pick the sour one. And I can guarantee you that it won't be Cortland
0: Sutton. That's why. That's why I want him. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't know if you can guarantee it, but I think Alberto. Yeah, I, I think like, Alberto's going to disappoint some people. I, love, oh, I really like fantasy, him. Like I really like him, but it, it, I mean, Russ doesn't hasn't shown a history with tight ends. I know it's a different offense, but, that, but that doesn't worry me. I mean, that, like I mean, that, that, you that's, have...
2: that's not my worry about Albert O. Like I think right now, like yesterday you had a guy that was barely on your taxi squad thinking, man, if I get a third round pick for him, I'd be happy. Today, you know, within an hour you could have got maybe a second and a third or you know even flipped him for like Dallas got it right away. So it's like in terms of value, like you need to cash out and, and it doesn't even matter if he's good, like just where he is and the odds of his value ever increasing and beyond that statistically are very low. So it's like, if you want to flip him for somebody who's, you know, a, a more secured profile and a better you know weapon or option, I would even flip him for Noah fan if I could like, it's just where I am, and it's not a knock on no offense. It's me looking at the entire picture, thinking, "Hmm, there's a lot of mouths here to feed." And I understand that they're still going to want to run the ball with their wicked good running back. Somebody's going to get left out. I'm probably going to bet on the fourth round tight end who can run really fast but has drop issues. So that's kind of why it's like I'm. I don't, I'm not saying like I don't have any interest. I do. You know, if I'm you know mid rounds and I've started up, absolutely taking a shot. But I just think that this this belief that he's going to come in and be top 10 top you know 12 like you're seeing on twitter is just kind of like okay man
1: i'm going to disagree with most of what you just said to be honest i don't think alberto was sitting on a taxi squad hoping that he ever breaks out i mean alberto had borderline elite prospect profile the only reason he dropped to the fourth round is due to injuries if he was a second round pick he would have been an absolute premium in Two tight end, tight end premium leagues when he was drafted two years ago. So, we, I, I've been, maybe tight ends are my thing, but I have been waiting for Fant to leave or Alberto to get traded or whatever for them to get separated. But this, this is what I think people who have been holding on to Alberto have been waiting for. I don't, I, in no world do I, in no way do I plan to flip him. Uh, for somebody better mainly because your example was goddard i already have goddard in most places but <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna flip albert o i mean I, this this is something i've been waiting for so i i guess i guess chad had alluded to this i don't it's tough i, I don't know if 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 i would be i don't i see i just don't know how to project him yet i haven't i haven't gone that deep into it but he is the only tight end really right now on the roster, to be fair. But to go back to the original point, I, I, I do think Sutton feels safe. Judy kind of feels safe, but Judy, but Patrick also kind of feels safe because before Lockett and DK were getting 130, 140 targets a year, Well, those were really the only two guys. So now we got five guys across the board between Sutton, Judy, Patrick, Hamler, And uh Albert O. So I I don't know where that how that target target distribution is gonna line up. I feel like that might be which maybe Chad can can elaborate on, more scheme dependent. Maybe Hackett's offense features, you know, funnels in a certain direction at points in time. And then Russell not featuring the tight end. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I kind of thought the same thing, you know. I wrote this when, you know, when we signed Gerald Everett, which he actually kind of saw quite a bit more looks than I was anticipating last year. Seattle's really only ever had one good tight end in the Pete Carroll-Russell-Wilson era, and it was Jimmy Graham. So there's a reason Russell wasn't throwing to the tight ends. Like, I'm not blaming him for not throwing to Jacob Hollister 10 times a game.
0: Well, you know, I was going to make that point too, but yeah. didn't get a chance,
1: so. So now that no offense there, like, again, that you traded for him for a reason, and they're already talking about, you know, Tyler Lockett's on the trade block. I mean, we could wake up one morning a week from now and DK and Fant are really the only two reliable, you know, viable pass catchers on the entire roster. So I think I think that's part of it. And again, you kind of look at the Broncos side of it. Outside of Jimmy Graham, Russell Wilson's never really had a good tight end to throw to. Albert O is probably the second best tight end behind Graham that he's going to have in his career. But again, I don't know how that Denver offense is, is going to funnel quite yet.
0: All right, um, Carson went to Washington.
1: Yeah.
2: Sorry, was just that was, that was my honest reaction when I saw it, and that's still my reaction. But it, it's not that I dislike Carson. It's just like am I wrong to feel like maybe they should have just went with Tyler Heineke? Like, I mean, like it's. Is he really that much of an upgrade? I mean, and you're paying him $28 million, so now he has to start. Hey, I I don't know. I just – and as for Terry, I guess I'm not really worried. I guess the good thing is Carson Wentz tries to play hero ball, so when Terry's not open the first time, he'll run around and try to make something happen. Um, You just got to hope that he actually gets the ball off because Terry is good at those contested catches. I just – I don't know. Boo is my reaction, and – I don't know. I just don't understand why Carson Wentz is getting another shot. Like, I mean, like what, I mean, like he's back in the same division that he couldn't win in before, you know, now he's at least the third best quarterback and you can't, you cannot make an argument that he's better at Jalen Hurts at this point, simply because not only did Philadelphia move off of him for Jalen Hurts, but then the Colts moved off him because he sucks. So it's like, you're looking at the third best quarterback um, and at best in that division and they could have went and better options. It's like, you know, they went after some of the guys I knew that they were interested in Mitchell Trubisky, but it seems like they're settling and it's not very exciting. You know, it, I guess as, you know, somebody who's been around like the team in the Washington like back in the day, like, I just know that like the vibe was something bigger, you know, like you, 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 you really didn't want to have questions. And I don't think today Sitting here, you have less of a question about who's going to be the franchise quarterback for the Commanders than you did yesterday. So I, I don't know. It's just it is what it is, I guess. Um, and as for Indianapolis, Andrew Luck's coming back, so yeah, no. But, um, I don't know. I they're kind of in a rock between a rock and a hard place, and they'll probably just play trading for Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins or someone else like that, and kind of call it a day. It just I don't know. That
1: one was to me the the meh one. I agree. I don't. Carson Wentz is bad. He's not any good. I I think him getting another chance has probably more something to do with the lack of quarterbacks that there are right now, like true viable starters. And it was kind of surprising what Washington gave up. They gave they swapped twos, so the Colts only moved up five spots in the second round. But then they also got a three back and then a conditional three, which had the same conditions as the the one-two swap that Philly had. So if Carson Wentz plays, what was it, 70% of the snaps, uh, that extra three can become a two. So moving forward as the Colts, I think Jimmy G is probably the answer. That's that's the immediate name that's been rumored. Uh, right before we got on, Ian Rapp, I hadn't watched the video, it was like a 90-second video or something like that, said that Jimmy G's market has like instantly heated up. His phone is starting to kind of go off a little bit. So maybe we can anticipate Jimmy G being the next Colts quarterback. I think it's obvious. I read an article from The Athletic, dropped a ton of quotes in the chat about that. Uh, If you don't mind, I'm going to read a few of those. Let's see here. Um, As for the Colts' issues with Wentz, they stretched back to before the season began, one source said, and over the course of the year, some grew frustrated at what they deemed as a lack of leadership, a resistance to hard coaching, a reckless style of play, which had a role Uh, and several close losses this year. I think that the biggest quote uh, that stood out to me from this particular article uh, was basically talking about how the Colts don't have a backup plan right now. And they had decided before the last game of the season that they were going to move off Wentz. And they didn't have a backup plan. And Reich actually went to Jim Irsay's office and apologized and said, you... I convinced you I was wrong. You stuck your neck out there for me, and and I'm sorry. And they seem to have worked past that. But the fact that the Colts are willing to move off a quarterback with no backup plan, and Frank Reich is basically saying, yo, I fucked up, that's on me, I think it speaks volumes about Wentz, especially when they were boys, you know, in Philly, and then that was kind of why he came to Indy. So I don't know. Wentz seems to have a lot of issues – I believe the Colts are similar to the Broncos and maybe the Steelers in that the sense they're just kind of a QB away. Like the roster is good enough to truly compete, but I don't, I don't know what the Colts are going to do. I get them moving off Wentz though, because when you look at across the landscape of the AFC quarterbacks, you know, add Russell Wilson to that mix. Now Wentz wasn't going to get you past it. And then from a coaching standpoint and Frank Reich, you're on the hot seat this year and you already know what you're going to get with Wentz. And you're probably going to get fired if you stick with Wentz with those results. So I'm not saying Jimmy G's an upgrade, but at least he offers you more or a better chance of keeping your job. And worst case scenario, you get fired anyway. So it's kind of a, a win-win-lose-lose. Lose. I don't know how you want to look at it from a Frank Reich standpoint. So I don't know. I, I can't see the – I think Deshaun Watson, again, obviously he's a good fit anywhere. They're obviously not going to trade – Interdivision, uh, Jimmy G, uh, Field Yates' prediction was Trubisky. I don't know, but Winston Washington—that's fine. It's 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 a it's a I think it's a marginal upgrade over over Taylor Heineke, in my opinion. So,
2: it just you're the thing that you mentioned is like they have no plans, like, and that's how worrisome it is. And like I think it was a few hours ago where I saw that Jimmy G said he would trade. Or he would waive his no-trade clause for only the Steelers, Colts, and Saints. Like, I think we're kind of forgetting he has a lot of leverage here. And if he doesn't really want to go somewhere, he doesn't have to. So it's like, I feel like the Colts kind of put themselves in such a pinch with Wentz and giving up on him right away. And I don't really know where they can go because
0: they don't have any ammo. I feel like Washington got a little desperate. I mean, when this guy's been trashed out the door in two organizations, it's not a great look, but they, they felt like they had to do something. So that's kind of what they did. Um, I think Jimmy G is a good fit for the Colts. So that, that seems to be, I don't know, momentum going there, but, um, how about Rogers and Adams back in green? Bay? I want a quick question. Um, is it possible that. Part of the reason
2: that Carson Wentz failed in Indy really wasn't Carson Wentz's fault. And what I mean by that is he was coming in and Frank Reich was coming in with, like, they were coming with this, like, this expectation that it was going to work. They were best friends. They were boys. And, like, so Carson Wentz never had to win over the locker room. They were just kind of forced on it. And, like, you got to remember, like, he didn't earn that captain to see, like, they gave it to him. So it's like, I almost wonder if like the team didn't kind of like hold a week, a weird grudge against him because he never, you know, earned his way in and like that stuff really matters. So it's like, I almost wonder if like him having that relationship with Frank Reich was almost a bad thing.
1: I, I understand we you made this whole big thing about Tua last year. Look, I'm not putting any stock in, into, into the captain's badge and whether that, that, signifies success or or leadership or something like that but generally it's voted on by team players right your, your your place of work the people you work with and when you step into a new environment with people you've never worked with and you're automatically given something that is typically earned or voted on by your peers it looks bad it makes you it makes you look bad with the relationship you have with the head coach and if that was me like i I've, I've been working in this place of 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 work for 10 years, Chad walks in and gets something that I've never gotten right away just because he knows a guy. Like that looks bad, right? I think that that probably sent ripple effects across the locker room, which led to the lack of leadership because now you have a guy supporting something that doesn't have any and the whole COVID thing. Uh, the, the Colts yeah. are apparently, apparently very frustrated with his lack of wanting to get vaccinated and then. Obviously, he gets traded to a a team that was very serious about vaccinations because of Ron Rivera, but the protocols have been lifted, so it's probably a non-issue.
2: I don't know. I mean, I think you make another good point. I kind of forgot about the COVID thing, but that was a big deal as well. So it just kind of seems like all of the social aspects failed him and he failed, and the football, while it wasn't horrible – He was inconsistent because, like, he was trying too hard. And I think maybe he was trying too hard because he felt like he had to win the locker room over. I mean, I don't know. It's a snowball effect. He's out. And Washington is out of a few third-round picks. And I don't know if they're any better. I mean, I really don't. Like, you couldn't have just maybe taken a shot on, I don't know, somebody else in the third round than Carson Wentz at this point.
0: Yeah. Wentz's highs are higher than somebody like Heineken, but his lows are very low. So, but I don't know. What do we make of Adams and and Rodgers back to Green Bay? Personally, I kind of, I mean, I, I
2: expected it all along. Um, I never had any really doubt Aaron Rodgers was going anywhere. Um, I feel like I remember telling you that I didn't think Denver was realistic. Um, I don't know. It, it is what it is. I guess I'm more curious to see how long the contract is because Pat McAfee still swears that four years, $200 million is not real and nor accurate. And so if it is like actually a four year deal, then, then I believe they would move off of Jordan Love. But if it's only like another one or two year deal, then I believe they're going to keep him and make him keep waiting. Assuming he doesn't force his way out. Um, And then Devontae, I think, they'll tag him this year, and then they'll try to get a deal done, but I don't know. Um, My guess is he doesn't go anywhere either. Um, I can't imagine you're going to let the best receiver walk away, even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't stay. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Nothing really changes for me. They're not really Super Bowl favorites in my mind. Um, I just believe Aaron Rodgers is hella fun september through december and then um doesn't always have his best moments in january and i don't know how far they'll go but i'm glad i get to watch him in 17 a couple more seasons hopefully
1: yeah i'm trying to i mean i don't what what changes than what we've seen Aaron Rodgers coming back with the supposed massive contract. Other players are not going to be on the team anymore because of it. Yeah, Adams is back, but I, 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 we can't expect different results from the Packers. They're getting yeah. worse and their money is disappearing. And Aaron Rodgers, as you said earlier in the show, has been to one Super Bowl. Like he's not, he doesn't get it done when it counts. So I think the Packers are definitely Super Bowl contenders but they're not favorites and i it, it feels weird like i'm not trying to like say aaron Rodgers is bad because he's not i mean he's one of the probably top five top four top three quarterback of all time but in the he has really nothing to show for in the postseason he's won one super bowl he's been to one super bowl and now you have like i said 50 percent of your cap 40 percent of your cap one to two guys and your team is bad like they had a good defense last year. Last year was the year. I'm not sure that they, they can do that now. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, is running the team apparently. So I'm not, could be a, a LeBron James situation here or a uh, Bill O'Brien, you know, not a good GM. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers is, but just, you know, kind of stick to your position.
0: And yeah. The LeBron comparison feels very real. That's kind of how I see it too. It's, I don't know. We'll see. I feel like they got to win one in the next year or two. Cause I feel like they're in trouble um, on the back end of that contract and, and where they're headed after. So it's kind of I uh, I don't know. I don't feel great about it if I'm, if I'm a green Bay fan, but. I'm excited about Mario Rogers. Do you think uh, Randall Cobb is, I mean what are they gonna do because mvs is also a free agent so i believe i
2: saw mvs was it was either mvs or lazard were going to be highly targeted by the bears
1: uh scantling that was in oh
2: okay it was scantling yeah oh, yeah so mvs um well the reason i guess i'm excited about my rogers is i see on his instagram he's literally working every day um and i mean working like and i saw he posted like a thing one day where he just said like he wasn't happy with his rookie year and he took it personal and his dad i believe is the ravens wide receiver coach and he says dad ripped him a new one and he's i mean he's been working dude and i'm excited you know i i i you know i we i kind of knew 2021 wasn't going to be very big and i kind of always had the anticipation that 2022 was the year and he's putting in the work so I believed in him, and if he breaks out, I'm
1: not going to be at all surprised. I don't know. I think, Chad, Chad, your point before, I think the Packers, like you said, one or two-year window here, but even when Aaron Rodgers hangs it up, because he, he's not going to get traded now, I think the next move would be retiring at some point. That, that team's going to be really, really bad, because the year he retires, they're going to have so much dead cap and unusable money at the back end of that contract i
2: is this was the assumption they don't have love anymore or like you don't believe in love or like what where's jordan love in this situation in your mind
1: i don't know because i don't know how long aaron Rodgers plays for like if he plays for one more year then i could see them holding on to love mm -hmm. but I think if they trade love i think it's an indication that he's probably going to be around for quite a while i mean what is he 38 37
2: i just struggle to believe he's going to be around for a long time because it's like every off season oh i'm debating retiring debating retiring it's like really it's like you expect them to give you a four-year deal and i saw it was like rumored to be 150 million guaranteed so he could play one year for 150
1: million and dip like the packers would get screwed so it's like how do you commit to that i don't know For what it's worth, I was watching the ESPN had a special mock draft going on before we hopped on here, and Todd McShay gave Jordan Love the same grade as Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett as prospects. So he was saying if you're a team that needs a quarterback right now, that if you're not able to go get one of those two rookies, then maybe you trade for somebody like Love.
2: Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I took issue with Ben Albright's tweet and when we argued on Twitter is, I know there's interest in Jordan love like, and there was rumored today. I think it was, I think it was somebody from the Indy star um, who reported and Pat McAfee, kind of making fun of the guy on Twitter, but um, said that the Colts were interested in Jordan love and they really liked him in the process. And um, the Packers like traded up and could prevent them from getting him. Like there might be some truth to that, but you know, the Colts, don't have a first round pick. You know, if they call Green Bay, hey, we'll give you a two this year. And that one of that, th- or that third we just got for wins, he's cheap. What do you say? You're going to say no if you're Green Bay, give Aaron two more pieces? I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, I watch Jordan Love and I know, you know, my friends listen to this podcast and they don't believe in him. And I've seen a guy with all the talent and when he gets in the rhythm and gets like the emotions out of the game. A guy who looks good but needs reps. I mean, he started one game. They blitzed the hell out of him, and he adjusted in the second half and had a fine second half. He played the second half of um, the Lions game, and my boy Amari tripped and forced an interception. Um, and that was off the bench, and he—I mean, like he didn't look bad. It was, so it's like people are just so quick to cancel him. And I tweeted out yesterday. It's like. I hope he balls out, dude. Like, I hope he gets his opportunity and balls out because his name has been slandered by everybody on this earth since he was drafted, and it's not his fault. And it's like – and he can play. Like, he's not bad. And I don't know. I just – you have to feel bad for the guy. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to stay even two years, he's got to leave. And
1: the Packers have no reason to trade love unless they're getting something significant back because he's still there for two more years. It's cheap. You need a backup. He's been in the system. You, you drafted him in the first. So unless they're getting something of significance back, then he's probably a backup in Green Bay for the extent of his contract. If do you wrong. believe a
2: two and a three is, you know,
1: enough? Like if you're if you're Brian Guntikens and Chris yeah, I, called you. Yeah, I, I would give up love for a two and a three. I would also be my jaw would drop to the floor if somebody gave up a two and a three as well.
2: I mean, somebody just
1: gave up a two and two threes for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz also has five years in a borderline MVP season under his belt. Jordan Jordan Love has 80 career snaps.
2: No, and I'm not disagreeing, but I'm saying that, I mean, you just watched a guy get dumped by his former OC who loved him for basically being a locker room cancer. And instead you have a guy
1: who's a first-round talent. I don't think Jordan Love would fetch anything more than a fourth right now.
2: I disagree. I mean, if you're looking around at the trade market and teams – um, but even, like, uh, fourth, like, you know, obviously it's not anything for Green Bay to write home about. I would be – my guess is if Jordan Love gets traded, it would be at draft draft day where, like, you know, the coach the second round and all the quarterbacks they're looking at are gone and they still need a quarterback, and then maybe they call. But I don't know. I just – if you're Jordan Love, at what point do you, do you want your opportunity? I mean, you were drafted in the first round and you can play, like – Do you really want to sit forever? Like, I mean, how patient can you really be?
0: I feel like teams probably shouldn't change their pre-draft evaluation that much. Like, if a team was going to take him in the second round, like, they should still feel the same way. But I don't know that they do. And
2: Yeah, obviously, you know, not every team's going to have interest. And some teams may value him higher or lower. It just, I guess, it depends on... I guess the team and how bad they need a quarterback and if they believe in him. I mean, I think if you get a staff who believes in him and gives an opportunity, I think he can. You know, things he'll flourish.
1: But here's it, the here's the thing though. I think if I'm a team, if I'm trading for Jordan Love, it's because I didn't get my guy in the NFL draft. Because I would rather trade a draft uh, pick and have a guy on a cheap contract for four or five years, than opposed to having Jordan Love on a contract for two years.
2: But if he hits, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, obviously that the window right
1: but you you could say this you say the same thing about a rookie though like if he hits it doesn't matter so it's it's the length of time you have to evaluate said player i feel as
2: though if jordan love though like if you trade for him and you get two years those two years better be insane for him to come out and be like okay pay better pay me you know i mean like you can't be mediocre in those two years and then come ask for $50 million. Like, they're going to laugh you out of the room. So, it's like, if he – you know, like, his play better back up his – you know, if he barks, he better bite, essentially. No, no, I got you. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like, yeah, he's humble. He works hard. And I mean, could you imagine being him Then for the past two years, not saying a word about everybody dragging your name on the Internet just because you got drafted behind somebody? It's
0: – Man, better man than me, I'll tell you that. Yeah, got to feel bad for the kid. Um, running a little long on time, but do you guys have any thoughts on the franchise tags that were thrown out? I was hoping for the Cowboys' sake that they would tag Schultz, which they did. I think they should move on from Cooper and that contract and, and re-sign Gallup, which seems like the way they're leaning. But you guys have any thoughts on the Schultz tag or, or – sticky who's trying to get his wide receiver money which he probably deserves i heard he you know he he spent more snaps in the slot and out wide than than in line but i heard a, a good line that said he also blocks like a wide receiver so he, he probably deserves that um <laughs> i don't know funny. but funny. uh the tight end tag i mean it's it's useful for these guys so no surprise to see Joku, Gesicki, Schultz tagged. Do uh, you guys have any thoughts on that?
1: I really hope Gesicki keeps his tight end tag because if he gets the wide receiver tagged, then that'll change in fantasy and he becomes much less appealing then.
2: Yeah, that'll kill his fantasy football value. I mean, yeah, he'd be like, I, I don't... barely a wide receiver four. I mean, like,
1: no, I, I'd, I'd put him in the wide receiver three range.
2: Yeah, but like that immediately. I mean, like you go from starting him every week to only when you're desperate. Yeah. Yeah, to,
1: to no, a flex play. You go from tight end one to a flex play, yeah. So that would be really bad. As for Dalton Schultz, though, I, I think that's good. I think, the like you said, the Cowboys offense operates better in, in two tight end sets. I did see a tweet, though, that said there have already been two teams that have called about Schultz, and a, a supposedly, I, I think it's false, but supposedly someone is willing to pay a first for him to give the Cowboys their first round pick for him. I don't know if that happens, but there is a market for Dalton Schultz Uh, if the Cowboys did decide to trade him away while on this tag. So I think that that's a storyline to follow. And Njoku got tagged, and I don't like any part of that. But,
2: yeah, I think. And then, like, all the rest of the fantasy football tags were kind of as expected. Like, you know, Godwin, I mentioned, you know, you don't – you know, all the guys who were injured, you typically return because, you know, like I mentioned, what was a couple weeks ago with the injuries and not having to change doctors and everything. Like, the logistics of living and moving – trying to find new doctors and stuff. So um I'm excited for Allen Robinson to hit free agency. Um you know he came out what well, was a couple of weeks ago saying like COVID really screwed him up and he lost 15 pounds and like just struggled to make it through the season. So it's like obviously he struggled. You know, I don't know. I mean just that one I'm excited about because I thought for sure they were going to tag him and piss him off.
1: I think some sneaky big news from the this- the Jags tagging left tackle Cam Robinson. Yeah. I thought that they were going to let him walk, and the fact that they did tag him might indicate that they're not going with one of the top two tackles at one overall. They might be targeting a defensive end instead in Hutchinson or Thibodeau or a possible trade back, or maybe one of the top uh, – uh, what should you call it? Uh, the safety, Hamilton – so I I don't think I don't think a tackle at one is, is locked in as I thought it would be to Jacksonville now. So that's that's another interesting situation to watch. And I, Cam Robinson has already said he's not moving to right tackle. So
2: it's very possible they could draft still like Luke Neal or not Luke Neal, but you know Neal at number one and just have him play right tackle. Um, you know, and to have that's a hell of a start of an offensive line because I believe their interior offensive like I don't think the Jags' offensive line has mm-hmm. been horrible. Um, they just have a few spots that are missing. And I think if you can draft that, I keep Trevor Lawrence upright. That's already trending in the right direction.
1: The free agency tackle market is very loaded this year and the Jags have a lot of money to spend. So I think if they go out and get one of those guys, yeah. it's going to tell us a lot about what they want to do in the draft. And I know Doug Peterson's philosophy hasn't changed since Philadelphia. It's been build from the inside out. If you don't have an elite O line and an elite D line, you don't have a football team. Yeah. Um are they for sure letting Shark walk? I read an article that said that Peterson would like to have DJ Shark back to be as one for them. It's probably money, but right now it seems like DJ Shark is going to hit hit the market and he's going to get paid from big big money from somebody.
2: Yeah, I, I heard that. I, from my understanding, he's he's going to have a much larger free agent market than I think people were expecting.
1: He's going to get paid more than I think people were expecting too. And yeah. I also saw a tweet that. The New England Patriots have done a significant amount of homework on both Allen Robinson and DJ Shark. Yep. um So if and Amari Cooper, if they get either of those guys, that's going to be the feature one, and then that's what you want. The Bill Belichick offense is the number one wide receiver because they get targets galore.
2: Yeah, um, Amari Cooper is very possible as well. Um, and I assume to be, to be honest, if 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 they do lose Chark, I would pretty much. If New England doesn't get him, Pencil in Amari Cooper is like the locked and loaded one down there. I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't ever think Amari Cooper's ever been a huge care about winning as much as he does getting the football. So you know, he
1: comes across as a money guy to me. I'd be yeah. shocked if he opts to go to the New England culture.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I know he's a hard worker and he's very like quiet, you know, like in works, but like, I don't know, like he, I would see him down in Jacksonville. Easier, though, and I can't blame him. I mean, like you can only play this game for so long. I mean, like, get your bag. I don't I don't blame him. I would if I had to bet right now, I would say Alan Robinson probably ends up in New England. Amari Cooper ends up in Jacksonville, and DJ Chark ends up in Philadelphia.
0: I'm here for that. Chicago's gotta find somebody, right? Chicago
2: i I don't know like how excited are you if you're a wide
0: receiver not very they're
2: going to sign mvs and draft somebody that's what's going to happen they'll 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 like they'll draft somebody in the second round and you know like a burks or somebody i i burks is killing his draft though
1: i think juju goes to indy too i think it's a really oh yeah i
2: totally forgot about juju or um oh nope, never mind i was gonna say the chargers but and I just remembered that they waste all their money on Mike.
0: I've also heard that Christian Kirk is gonna get more money than people think Yeah. To be a hot name. Yeah. Good fit in um, Buffalo. We talked yeah, about Yeah, I was that gonna before. say Buffalo. Um, and
1: don't forget Tyler Lockett's on the trade block, and he's only due 15 million. That's relatively cheap for someone of his caliber. Who Where needs a deep threat? Indy. I Tyler Lockett and Indy. Yeah, but they have bigger I promise
2: you, they're frying right now in Indy. I <laughs> Frank Reich's stomach is probably so stick sick looking at his roster and seeing Sam Ellinger and
1: nobody else. <laughs> New England. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is going to be on the move this year too. Again? Why? Yep. Because he doesn't want to be in Houston anymore. Ugh. He has one year left on his deal. He also has a no trade clause too, though. So,
2: you know, Jimmy G's no trade clause to me is huge because like, he can literally just be like, no, I'm not going anywhere. Fuck you. Man, he won't, but he
1: could. No, there was a tweet earlier that said he declined one team already. It was, he already could decline the commanders. Okay. And it was Colts, Pittsburgh, and somebody else he was okay with.
2: Because, like, Washington runs, like, running out. Washington ran out of options. Like, and I believe the desire for Trubisky were, um, is, like, for Trubisky to go there was a lot lower than they expected.
0: All right. Um, we still need to talk about the Combine. I know we kind of run a little long here, but let's just go around and give me a guy that stood out to you uh, through the Combine process, and then Sam, I want to get your thoughts on the kind of who, which players, <clears throat> excuse me, which players <clears throat> have been linked to which teams. But, Matt, who who stood out to you, um, fantasy-wise, fantasy-relevant player, who stood out to you from the Combine?
2: I
1: know.
0: Say it. Because
1: I don't to if you don't. It's it's tough it's tough to say because obviously we don't we don't know where the landing spots it landing spots are, but Brees Hall, I think solidified his case as a top tier running back. I thought Ricard White uh, or Ricard White, however you want to say his name, I thought he looked really really good as well. His jump cuts are fantastic. Uh, Another guy I was really impressed with was Cincinnati wide receiver Alec Pierce. Uh, Late breakout. Uh, see, uh, I think he's a senior or a super senior, but he's six three, runs sub four four. He's got a huge catch radius, freak athlete. I think that's a name to watch in the draft. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see where he goes. And then I, you know, I gravitate towards guys like Christian Watson, that North,
0: North Dakota State kid. I almost told you stop naming names because okay, I'm, sorry. Gonna I'm get, sorry, I'm, I'm not take... going to get to my guy. No, no, he's just like he's, he's one of my freak. Favorites. He's six four yeah. and he's his
1: metrics are just athletic measurables are so just off the charts. Yeah, yep.
2: um, I, Pierre Strong, Pierre Strong Jr. Had a fantastic combine, looked great. He tested well, and I had never seen him before. And it was my first time. And I was like, oh, OK, like I don't love like I will say, like I watched some of his tape. I didn't love his contact balance. He can be brought down a little bit early, easier than I would like. But he's a very fluid athlete, very natural, at a lot of things, cuts on a dime, um, soft hands, I mean, like Matt and I were sitting there, we're watching, it was weird. Like I was sitting there watching the combine, like, man, this guy looks really good. And Matt texts me and goes, you know, who's having a really good combine right now. And so we started talking about it, but um, absolutely Pierre Strong, somebody who could really, um, m- you know, surprise some people. If he gets, you know, like maybe an Elijah Mitchell kind of story. Um, and then Matt also just mentioned him and, um I wanted to point that out is somebody I wasn't very high on and I didn't really like his tape, but his athleticism keeps popping out, which is Rashad white. Like there's a lot that I think he needs cleaned up in the running back department, but he's a dynamic player. And when he gets the ball in his hands, good things happen. And his testing only solidified that. Um, And um, I think the, the last running back I want to talk to is if you follow me on Twitter, um, somebody I was in love with for years as a freshman, and then just killed his draft stock at the combine, which was Kyron Williams. Um, apparently, he's not a good tester or whatever. But I mean, he plays better, better and faster than whatever his test measurements were. But I mean, weighing in under two hundred pounds, running a four forty—I mean, good luck. I mean, like that killed his draft stock, and I mean, like he's—I still think he's a good football player. Um, but in order to You know really kind of get to where i had hoped um kind of seems like it's not going to happen anymore um or it's going to be a lot harder um and then i guess out of um the wide receivers i guess the only wide receiver i thought looked good in drills but didn't test well um that i would like to mention would be john mechie i would have expected him to be a lot faster and just i don't know and he was somebody I really liked. And then it's like when everything seems to be said and done, it just doesn't seem like he's going to fall very well.
1: He didn't um, do anything.
2: And same yet. with David Bell. like It's just two guys I felt kind of like disappointed, and but the expectations were higher.
1: John Mechie didn't test.
2: Well, who am I thinking about
1: then? John Mechie and Williams are still recovering from ACLs. Who did I write this
2: down? I wrote my notes down as John Mechie. Let me... Why am I?
1: David Bell was very disappointing, though.
2: Yeah, uh, sh- did I write this down wrong? That means my whole sheet is off by one. Uh, okay, well, if you want to cut that part where I talk about John Mechie, you can. Because no, no. <laughs> Who am I talking about? Oh, it's off by one because I was looking at Sky Morris testing. Oh,
1: Sky Moore has some big ass hands. They were like 10 and a half inches, something ridiculous when he's like 5'11".
2: Well, okay, so everything I just said about John Mechie, if Matt keeps that in, ignore that. I had my entire Excel sheet off by one, and I was talking about Sky Moore um, in terms of like, you know, he tested fine, but it just like the other things where you would, would have wanted just kind of didn't seem like he had a very good combine. Um, kind of seems like – and, well, he will – end up being a day three kind of guy and hopefully he can make some noise
0: i just love Christian watson man put on the tape and he's my kind of guy he's the, he's, I don't bambi. Know thought, he's what he's bambi he's like he, he runs like bambi he's so
2: raw and but he's such a good athlete like he doesn't really know how to contain his body yet like if you can coach him up like i don't even think he knows how good i don't even think like you can watch his tape and understand like how good he can be. If he can understand how to be good, like and everything that it takes, like the details, like
0: if that makes sense, like there's it, a lot. Of, yeah. He, uh, you he know, scored a 99 athleticism score from next gen stats, which I don't know exactly how they calculate that, but it's based on like combine scores. He led the way with a max 99. He's the only guy, uh, he's one of three guys who in the history of the combine who are six, four and up that scored over 90. The others are Calvin Johnson scored a 92 and Stephen Hill scored a 97, Christian Watson, 99. If you watch him on tape, he'll take the ball. he will take handoffs out of the backfield at six, four. And, and you know, he'll line up out wide and win a jump ball, and he'll return kicks. I mean, he's just guys, just an athlete. And I think, I think uh I've been kind of tracking him for a little while. I think, landing in the right spot somebody that can utilize him could be i think he could be a um one of the kind of under the radar wide receivers as in not like outside of the first round kind of guys that blows up i was also very
2: happy with olave like i loved him last year and i was he was my wide receiver three of the class and then he returned for whatever reason um because i'm pretty sure from everybody i kind of know he had a third round grade on him last year this year most teams got a one on him um he tested well looked great um I I think you could start to make like an argument if you're just you know that he he could there's a realistic chance he could be the first wide receiver off the board. I wouldn't expect it, but it's possible because he's a very polished wide receiver. Same with um, Garrett Wilson. Like when I say polished, I mean like obviously they have some work to do, but like for an incoming rookie wide receiver, those two are polished in a sense.
1: Yeah, I want to make some. Friendly guesses, friendly wagers here. What's the-, the Browns Browns are gonna draft? Who do you think open. is the first wide receiver off the board? I'll start. Jameson Williams. Where does he where is he going? Oh yeah, you gotta call the spot too. Oh, I gotta call the spot. No,
0: but let me pull up the draft order, please. Please hope. Okay, I'm gonna do the same thing. Um I, I really don't know. I know the Browns really like uh Wilson. But they're not. They're probably not going to be the first team taking a wide receiver. Where what? What's the? Pantheon is the one that tracks it all. But you got, yeah, you got Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, Jets, Giants, Carolina, Giants, Falcons. Falcons need to add somebody. Your Seahawks, Jets, Browns need to add some defensive line. I mean the Browns draft at 13. I guess they if they do take a wide receiver, they like, they could be the first one. I but. just really
2: hope that it's like Traylon Burks who gets sacrificed to Cleveland or like I don't right. want it to be Garrett Wilson. I don't want it to be my wide receiver
1: one, you know, like supposedly uh the Jets GM Joe Douglas is obsessed with Traylon Burks. And they hold four and ten. So interesting. That'd be a bit of a reach, but I guess I get it. I'm going to say Jameson Williams. Yeah, I'll go 8 overall 8 overall to Atlanta.
0: I was going to say I think Atlanta might Yeah, it's funny how they need a wide receiver,
2: huh? Um I don't know. I, I imagine there'll be some trades before then, but I feel like the first wide receiver who will be off the board um just trying to think uh,
1: Cle- Cleveland, I'm gonna go with next Wilson.
2: I think if you, you know, he can do the most, you know, in terms of getting open, high point in the ball, um, the ability to separate you can block as um, the most fluid athlete doesn't have some, some of the questions. So if Traylon Burks doesn't go first on a heck of a reach, then I would guess um, Wilson, um, but we shall see.
0: Yeah, I think my bet would be on Wilson as of right now. Drake London, another name we haven't mentioned that'll be up there too. Um, Sam, I want to get your thoughts on which teams are being linked to which prospects. I believe you have some some thoughts on that, or you've heard some rumblings, if there's anything you can share on that front. Um, well, yeah, I can kind
2: of – well, I mean, like, there's always rumblings, um, let me look. Um, scroll through. All right. Well, you had mentioned kind of Cleveland and Wilson. Um, there's also Philadelphia really likes um, Berks as well. Um, I think Philadelphia is understanding that they need an outside physical presence. And if it's not Chark, I think they were looking. They're, they're looking for one in the draft um, because as good as Devonte Smith is, you need somebody opposite to take off some pressure. Um, could be three years in a row for them. Yeah, and you know what? The last one was good. The first one sucked, and this one—if you go Burks—while I don't love it, it could be London. I wouldn't. I don't. As, I think as long as they go physical presence, um, it would make sense, and it would kind of match what I've been told. Um, I had heard that chargers were looking at wide receivers, but then, um, obviously Mike Williams is coming back. Um, Josh Joel Palmer Saints fans cry. Corral. What?
1: said Josh Palmer fans cry.
2: Yeah. Um, I almost traded for him in my main league and then I didn't. So I'm guessing I'm glad. Um, yeah. Uh, Matt Corral, obviously, and especially kind of having that old miss Mississippi relation, um, If they don't land a Jimmy G for a decent value, they could take a swing on him. And even if they do get Jimmy G for like a second-round pick, um, Matt Corral, somebody to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think there's any outside of maybe a Pittsburgh swing at a quarterback, any implications. Um, And then Raiders, I do think, are looking for some speed on the outside as well um, to look for um, potentially another wide receiver. Um, obviously Arizona keep an eye on everything, um, running backs, wide receivers, tight end. Um, I don't even know if they're going to bring back Zach Ertz, um, after they just traded for him. Um, so it kind of seems like w- the second half of this, you know, I mean like, and even Dallas, if they move off of Amari Cooper, it's part of the reasons probably because they just want to replace him with a cheaper option. So, um, Traylon Burks, um, Christian Watson is a swing. That, um, I heard that they really liked um buffalo i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if they take a swing on a running back i think um from what i understand they realized the second half of last year while devin singletary was starting to really develop he wasn't enough and i think that they would like him to be the two because he's a really good two but he's not a one and i i think that's somewhere you can go as well and then obviously I, i green bay good Imagine them, like, taking, like, something stupid. Like, I mean, like, they're going to be scrutinized if they don't take a wide receiver here. So it kind of feels like you have to pencil them in, and they like everybody. Uh, Jamison Williams, I, I know they really like – they like his versatility um, and his speed. But I don't think he lasts to 28. Um, Miami, I would also look – literally everybody except for the Bengals. Um, and then the Lions – Are at 32 are a very sneaky option, obviously, for a quarterback. Um, Ritter, um, is the name that I've been told they kind of really like, and they might take a swing on at 32, um, because they want that fifth year option. But if they don't take a swing on, you know, a quarterback or somebody, then they would probably trade out because it's going to be somebody who wants that fifth year option. Like, pick 32 is always the most valuable first round pick. Towards the end, because teams will always try to trade up for that uh, the fifth round option. So if the Lions take keep it, I'm going to assume it's going to be a quarterback. But if not, then they're going to trade back and they're just going to try to keep building around golf. But um, I know that they still have their doubts about him. And if he doesn't, quote unquote, prove himself or they don't take a swing on somebody this year, they absolutely will be early in the first in 2023.
1: It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. I will say that I think the first round is going to be kind of chalk. I think we're going to see a lot of like core positional pieces that go, and I think the draft will start get interesting at the top of at the top of round two. That I feel like that's when we'll start to see maybe some of these athletic guys get potentially overdrafted, yeah. or those quarterbacks, those whoever's left over at quarterback and running back will kind of start rolling off the board rather quickly there. So I, I think I'm
0: more excited for pick 33 than I am for pick one. I'm just excited to see who's worried about Kenny Pickett's hand size and who's not. It's true.
2: You know, honestly, I'm kind of excited for pick one this year because we don't know who's going, and it's been a while. I mean, like, there's no clear-cut option. You know, there's no team looking to trade up. The Jaguars would love to trade back, but there's nobody looking to move up. Like, I don't know. I mean, it could really be anybody, and that's that to me is exciting because I kind of get tired knowing, you know, the first five picks before it even happens.
0: That is true. Got to stay off Twitter too. It's uh, or at least manage your Twitter. I should say, because those tweets be coming out fast and furious. All right. You guys got any last thoughts on combine quarterbacks feeling dangerous
1: yet? (laughs) All right. I, I don't I don't mind the Broncos. I like I like watching them. I like cheering for them. You know, Russell Wilson's my guy. So for for his
0: sake and for the Broncos sake, I, I hope he gets it done. Me too, my friend, me too. Hopefully this trade works out for both our teams, but um for now we'll call that an episode. And um remember head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scout state ahead of those. Rumors and rumblings and news cycles. Um, this off season, we got lots of great content coming up. Especially, uh, you know, we've got the Devi Talk podcast for one, but those guys are hard at work on this rookie class and well beyond years beyond that. So, kind of a staying ahead of the curve on these incoming rookies. So, we'll have a lot of stuff coming out on rookies and the lead up to the draft. Um, so stay locked on to our Patreon and join us back here next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.